Welcome back to Think Deeper, presented by Focus Press. I am one of your hosts, Jack Wilkie, and joined by Joe Wilkie and Will Harab. We are very excited this week for a whole lot of things going on. If you're on Facebook, you've seen we put the call out for a Q&A episode. As we come on at the end of the year, we want to connect with the deep thinkers a little bit. And so here's your opportunity. Uh, and boy, some of you are taking that opportunity and... Uh, Grilling us a little bit. Uh, some really good questions. We're looking forward to that. We will be doing that episode in two weeks. Here's your chance to get your questions in. We might be doing two episodes because we've had a good response. Uh, send to my email, jacketfocuspress.org, or you can message our Facebook page, the Focus Press page, or the Think Deeper page. Uh, reach out to please, us on there. Go ahead. Please Will. be sure and specify that all the hardest questions need to be answered by Jack. Just please Correct. make sure and put that in there. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Merry Christmas to me. Uh, no, we, exactly. Uh, we call you guys the deep thinkers for a reason, because these are not surface level questions. These are not uh, easy ones. We uh, we need a little bit of time to put some study in to make sure we say uh, what to the best of our ability, what is right, what God would have us say. And so uh, get those in again, jacketfocuspress.org and the Focus Press or Think Deeper Facebook pages. Reach out, let us know uh, what you want us to talk about, what questions you might have, especially we really like the ones that are generated from episodes we've done. Uh, we've gotten a number of those, so uh, if you got any on like that, especially send those over. The other thing is we've got a survey out right now. We know there's a lot of people in the church today who did not grow up in the church, did not grow up going to Sunday school. Um, we want to hear your opinion. We're looking at putting a resource out for catching people up. I think... Uh, there's a lot of people that go to church and hear people talking about sanctification and talking about Hezekiah and talking about all kinds of stuff in the Bible and think, what's going on? What does that mean? Uh, we want to offer a resource to, catch be resource to catch people up. And so we've got a survey up on our Facebook page. Go check that out as well. Anything else we need to tell people about? All right. No, I don't think so. I've been teasing it for a while. Big announcement coming from Joe and Will here really soon, hopefully maybe next week. Um, but I'm going to hold off on that, and we will let you tell them about that next week. All right, let's get to this week's episode. All right, we are officially in December. Uh, everyone knows what that means. We have reached the holiday season, specifically the Christmas season on this side of Thanksgiving, and that brings up a lot of religious questions. Uh, you've probably seen a sign somewhere, I guess depending on where you live, what part of the country, saying Jesus is the reason for the season. And there's always the debates, don't say happy holidays, say Merry Christmas. But then also the other side of uh, our church isn't going to participate in that as a family. You know, it's it's a Santa holiday, it's not a Jesus holiday. Um, others say none of that, no Santa, no Jesus, this is a pagan origin kind of thing. There's all kinds of different takes on this. And so uh, as we did with Halloween, we kind of wanted to jump into this, wanted to examine uh what we think the biblical teaching is for churches, for individuals, for families. Uh, is it a religious holiday? Is it not a religious holiday? Is this something to strongly be avoided? Everything in between. Uh, there's there's a lot of considerations to be had here. And so uh, before we jump into the outline that we have, do you guys have any additions, any comments to, to throw in? Well, this might be one of those things that, that some people are going, okay, why... Well, What's the big deal? Why are they devoting an episode to this? And, and the reason is, is because we do believe, as we've stated multiple times before on this podcast, that Christ does reign over everything. That includes our holidays. That includes the way we celebrate with our families. And so there are, I mean, ever since I was young, I remember the debates that surrounded Christmas. Uh, mostly the ones that I remember, of course, are, you know, well, was Jesus born on Christmas? And, you know, we know that's really not even a debate much anymore. Um, so should we have, you know, should we be singing the Christmas songs and, and, church buildings, and we're going to get to all those questions, but the, the point is, Christians have these questions. Christians have these these arguments and these disagreements, and so it is something that we do need to, to investigate and find out what is the biblically appropriate answer to these things, and so th that's the reason why we're discussing it, because people care about it, and again, Christ reigns over everything, and that includes, as we looked at with Halloween, the way we choose to, to celebrate, the way we choose to spend time with our families, and so thus the, thus the reason why we're going to devote this episode to it. But Joe, did you have anything else to add to it as well? Yeah, I am just, like, it's, it's very interesting to me how, I don't know, heated is the right term, but like, 
how serious people take this. Um, emotionally charged. You know, we, emotionally yeah. charged. Yeah, maybe that's a great term. Uh, we grew up in a house where, uh, yeah, like if if Holy Night came on, a Holy Night, you know, or, or something, um, like you change the the channel because hey, this is not this is not about baby Jesus, whatever it is, and so um, it was always interesting to me, kind of some of the. And we'll get more into that as, as we go, especially the baby Jesus part and, and things. But um, yeah, how debated this is, like nativity scenes, and, and maybe that's liberal, and you see it with the Baptist churches putting out the giant live nativity scenes, whatever it is, um, doing the reenactments. And, and so there's a lot of stuff to get into with this episode and really trying to figure out, is there a conservative versus liberal approach? What does this look like? And so, Jack, Take us into some of the disclaimers. Before we get to a lot of the content, we we had written in our outline some of the disclaimers just so people are aware of where we're coming from. Go ahead and get us into those. Yeah, uh, the only thing I'll add to what you guys said is to just illustrate how serious this is. I've known people who have left congregations because the preacher got up. And on Easter, we're going to roll Easter into this a little bit. Uh, he preached the resurrection on Christmas. He preached Jesus' birth. And they said, that's not in the Bible. We're out of here. We're going to a different church that doesn't do that. I've also known people who are very frustrated at their church for not preaching Jesus' birth on Christmas, not preaching the resurrection on uh, on Easter Sunday. And so, uh, again, there's strong feelings about it, and that's why we wanted to cover it. The disclaimers. Uh, we know, right off the top, Jesus almost undoubtedly was not born on December 25th. Uh, the date is not... Uh, uh, it just doesn't seem to line up with when he was likely born. And so, when people do acknowledge it, is that it's saying... Let's just pick a day on the calendar to celebrate this because we think it should be celebrated is the line of thinking behind that. Not that uh, there's a lot of details that go along with that. There weren't, it doesn't say how many wise men there were. We don't know there were three wise men. Uh, there's no innkeeper who turns them away. I mean, there's some of the terminology gets caught up. There's a lot of those details. We're not going to pick through all of those, but there's just a lot of misconceptions about all those things. Um, the pagan origin thing, we're really not going to get into that. Uh, we talked about that a little bit with Halloween, but uh, that the origin doesn't necessarily disqualify something, but this also isn't that pagan. I mean, people around the world have had a winter celebration, a winter festival. You know, the solstice, solstice happens that week, and so just different things that have happened surrounding it. Um, there's some misinterpretations of, I believe, in Jeremiah, where it talks about the woodcutter going out and adorning uh, the, the wood that he cut down, and people say, well, that's that's about a Christmas tree. No, it's about an idol. It's, it's not about a Christmas tree. And so that is not really a direction we're going to go with this. Um, we're also going to acknowledge this is not something the Bible commands us to celebrate, it's not something the Bible forbids us to celebrate, and that really gets at the meat of the discussion. Is the Bible's silence on this matter permissive? Is it restrictive? This is a hermeneutical issue of interpretation. And so it brings us to the three questions we do want to explore. Is is it wrong to celebrate Christmas religiously in a private manner? If one Christian household says, we're going to put up a nativity scene and we're going to sing Silent Night or Joy to the World uh, in our own home and another Christian family doesn't want to, is, is that okay? Is it wrong to celebrate it as such publicly? Is it wrong for a church to gather and sing Joy to the World, Hark the Holy, all, all, all the songs, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, is it wrong to celebrate the birth in general throughout the year? Uh, interestingly, uh, a relative of mine had a nativity scene out uh, in their living room and another relative pointed that out and said, hey, well, what's that all about? You know, Jesus' birth, because it was around Christmas. And she just said, that's not up for Christmas. That's up year round. And then the person had an issue with, well, but we aren't authorized to celebrate it any time. And so I don't, you shouldn't have it up at Christmas or in March or February, you know. And so those are the, the three questions. Celebrate it uh, Christmas religiously, privately. Celebrate it publicly as a church. And is there really any authorization to celebrate anytime should joy to the world be something uh the the church sings about the birth of jesus some people just say no and so we'll, we'll explore that as well so that kind of gives what we're not going to talk about and what we are going to talk about so why don't you guys uh jump in from there sure so one of the first things that that you'll hear and you've already alluded to this is the bible doesn't authorize it Right, the Bible doesn't authorize it, and the question we that goes along with this that we have to ask is: Are we allowed to acknowledge days that the Bible doesn't authorize? I think that's a, a key question. Like, are there any days, even historically, 
that are celebrated that maybe the Bible doesn't authorize? And to that, I would say yes. John 10, 22 through 23, we see Jesus celebrating Hanukkah. Um, that's not that's not in the Old Testament. That actually takes place, uh, I believe, intertestamentally, right, um, for, for Hanukkah. And so it, I don't think that the the Bible authorizing it, like it's not a day specifically set aside. Look, there's a lot of days the Bible does authorize that we don't celebrate. So if we're going to take that line of reasoning, I, I have a problem with that specifically, saying it, it has to be in the book in order for it to be celebrated. Okay, then what about 4th of July? What about President's Day? What about Memorial Day? What about any of those days? The Bible doesn't authorize Thanksgiving, those. Thanksgiving, so, New Year's thank, Day. Exactly, right. right. None of those. So we're fine celebrating those. Why is it that this one? Well, it's because, again, the religious connotations, the pagan connotations, things like that, the Christmas tree, as you, you talked about. And so um, I think for this argument, as some people say, the Bible doesn't authorize it. To me, that's weak. Fellas, what do you think? I would say I agree with, with what you said. I don't want to repeat it. I, 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 for one, have not really heard many people issue that particular argument. Um, that is that we shouldn't celebrate it under any circumstances. Because the other thing that we have to bring up is there there's a clear kind of line of distinction with the way that Hollywood has kind of taken Christmas and obviously um, you know dramatized quite a bit of it and, and made it more of a societal you know way to spend money and, and that kind of thing as opposed to celebrating it as Jesus' birth. And I think the question that a lot of Christians have is, can we celebrate one side, you know, without necessarily going into the other? Can we go drive around and look at Christmas lights and drink hot chocolate? Can we watch the Christmas movies? Can we, you know, listen to the Christmas music and do all those things and that be something separate from celebrating this as Jesus' birth? And so, Joe, I think you answered that first question perfectly about, whether or not the Bible does, or obviously the Bible doesn't authorize it. However, are you really going to say we shouldn't celebrate July 4th or Thanksgiving Day? You know, again, if that's the jump you're willing to make, you know, more power to you. But I don't think that's something that that we necessarily have to abide by. And so I'll broach this question about it, can we differentiate? Can there be a line between celebrating it in the manner that I think all three of us celebrated in? And that is, again, you listen to the Christmas music, you maybe... I don't know how big you guys are on Christmas movies, that kind of thing. Whereas the rest of the world may be choosing to focus more on the nativity scenes and the the birth of Jesus side. What have you guys seen within the church about about that distinction, about the way certain people choose to celebrate it? Because to me, that's where, again, from just my experience, where I've seen the most emotionally charged debates is when certain people, I remember, for instance, real quick, and then I'll get you guys to answer the question. We, a congregation I was that we were attending, I was very young, but I remember this. Uh, there was a guest speaker that came right around Christmas time, and he came and he did a, I don't remember if it was a birth of Jesus sermon, but it was a sermon where he very heavily implied that Jesus's birth was around Christmas time and that, that, that we should be celebrating that. And it was, a big, it was a big enough deal to where my dad got up after he, this guest speaker got done, you know, pretty much un- you know, he, he was not told to do this by any, my dad was not told to do this, but he got up there in front of the congregation and basically kind of corrected the guy and said, you know, appreciate this guy coming. However, this is not something that we need to be preaching as truth that Jesus was born on Christmas and that we should be celebrating in this way. And it was just kind of one of those awkward things where he, he corrected the guy because he was teaching something that wasn't true. And so again, this is where the emotional debate typically comes in. Do we celebrate Jesus's birth? Do we just celebrate the, the hot cocoa and the elf movie and whatever? Um, so that's where I'll let you guys jump in. Definitely this, not I think, Elf. Is, is really the heart of it. <laughs> He's right. Elf is definitely not a terrible <laughs> movie. Um, <laughs> you're right. I, I wanted to acknowledge that there are those that say just avoid it entirely. But you're right. The the heart of the debate is celebrating it religiously or not. Jesus is the reason for the season or no, not that at all. And I think there's also something to be said for the broader what's called the liturgical calendar, which is acknowledging Christian holidays throughout the year. And the big ones everyone knows about are Christmas and Easter. And there is that issue, especially in the religious world. And I, I want to give the Churches of Christ credit on this. We don't have the issue that a lot of other groups have of people only showing up on Christmas and Easter. We've made right. it clear that's not good enough. That doesn't cut it. Uh, on the other hand, uh, and and that's kind of one of the arguments for not overemphasizing, not putting too much on those. But there are things like, you know, Pentecost Sunday, uh, Ascension Sunday, uh, things like that, that we don't even really acknowledge exist. But a lot of the religious world does, a lot of Christendom broadly, if I can use that term. 
make a point to say this is this lines up in the calendar of roughly when this happened. And again, Christmas, Jesus not likely born on Easter, but he was resurrected on. Or, I mean, he was not born on Christmas, uh, but resurrection lines up a whole lot closer, uh, especially with the Jewish calendar. We know you know how that lines up a lot better. And so with that one, you've got that, but then. Even with that one, you've got, well, we're not authorized to celebrate it. And, and people say, well, we celebrate the resurrection every Sunday. That's not really true. That's, you know, like you can go a lot of Sundays without even hearing it mentioned. Uh, but the birth of Jesus is way less emphasized even than the resurrection. That is true. And so we want to acknowledge that as, as part of this as well. And so I, I guess part of the question here is, is there a value to following and acknowledging that calendar of days throughout the year, holy days, you know, that's where we get the term holidays from, uh, in that, because it's something they did in the Old Testament. I mean, you look at, those people were feasting all the time. You had Passover, you had Atonement, Feast of Booths, you had uh, Unleavened Bread, all, all those things that went together, overlapped a bit, had big days. Um, and again, Old Testament, New Testament, there's a lot of big considerations that go into this that probably we don't have time for right now. I think there's a value to acknowledging days throughout the year, um, not, not again, not making it, hey, Christmas and Easter are the days you need to be in church, but hey, this day corresponds to when this happens. So let's talk about X, Y, and Z as a reminder of these things because they're important things. They're part of our history. Because you think about the what the secular holidays do. What does 4th of July do for us? Now, we're thankful we're Americans every day, but it's cool to have a day to say, this is about that. It's cool to have Thanksgiving. It's cool, uh, you know, even lesser ones like St. Patrick's Day or whatever. There's, there's a reason behind them and... And so I, I think there can be a value as Christians. It draws to say, to the it draws the culture's attention to something, right? Even if it's always in the back of their mind, it draws their attention to something that sh- that for at least a day or a week is prominent in their minds. Well, I'll, I'll, before Joe, you jump in on that, I, I want to get to that point big time in a bit uh, because it's it's a very valuable thing. But the other thing about it is it grounds our our Christianity in the real world the 365-day calendar, that this is a, it's not solely spiritual, it's not solely otherworldly, it is, as the world turns, as the we go around the sun here, these things are, are part of our life, part of the rhythms is a term some people might use, part of the, you know, just regular things that we do, uh, I see some value in that. I don't know about you guys, but Joe, you had a point. Well, I think a couple different points. First, uh, first feast days are huge. They were to God. Look at how many instituted. Look at how many remembrance um, aspects there were in the Old Testament. Hey, set up these stones so that you'll remember these things, right? That's all the way throughout. It's good to have those markers of, hey, this is our our day. As you talked about, Jack, we'll get into it. It's a little bit of Christian nationalism of like, yeah, I want Christian days on the calendar all the time. I want the world drawn to like, hey, this is what it's about. So the more we can celebrate it, I never think that's a bad thing. As far as it goes with the birth of Christ... Look, the Son of God, God himself came down and took on flesh. That's what we're remembering. Is it baby Jesus, the cherub Jesus? No, no. We're talking about God himself coming down and taking on flesh. That's a big deal. That is something to celebrate. That is something to think about. That's something to draw the world's attention to. So part of, and and we'll get into this more later, and I know we always sit on the podcast, we'll get into this, and sometimes we don't. I truly, this is on our outline to get into it later. Um, But the idea of like cherub Jesus, that's not, um, that's not scary to the world. That's not Jesus riding in on his white horse with his flaming sword ready to, to, you know, just take over the world. There's something that's not scary about it, and and I think that's partly why the world gravitates toward it. At the same time... They can wrap their arms around it, right? Exactly. At the same time, this is a... Man, I'm telling you, like, Jesus, he took on flesh. That's something to celebrate. So, for the feast days, we see it in the Old Testament, we see it in the New, we see Jesus celebrating, once again, Hanukkah, Feast of Dedication, for those that are interested. Google that, you'll you'll see Hanukkah. Um, We see those things that are taking place where this is something... Those days were celebrated. I think the more Christian days we can jam on the on the calendar, the better. My wife and I celebrate, uh, which are probably more on the Catholic end, but St. Martinus and St. Um, uh, Michaelmas, St. Michael. They're just stories of, of saints, quote-unquote. No, we realize they're not apostles, but good men in the, quote-unquote, church back in history, which probably was the Catholic church, but still, 
who did really good things, and it draws people's attention to Christianity. And it's more of a Waldorf thing, and I won't explain that too that's much. That's not on as the, weird as you this. think, because St. Patrick's Day. I mean, yeah, exactly. And and this one it, isn't it's about lost drinking. A lot of that because it's, yeah, people turn it into drinking, but it is an acknowledgement of hey, here was a, a faithful, you know, a person that preached and and the work that he did is why he's remembered. And so. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think there's, again, value to that calendar, value to grounding our days in in reality, again, in, in the world, the the way the, the year works out. Uh, you got a little bit about the Jesus thing. Um, what was it? Uh, Jim Croce, the singer from the 70s, said, you say you love the baby, but you'll crucify the man. Mm. There's something very real about that, right. of the world saying, hey, baby Jesus, we'll celebrate this at, uh, and and we'll put it on the air. On the other hand, uh, no, I, I, I we keep saying we're going to get to the evangelistic opportunity part, so I'm not going to jump to that. <laughs> yeah. That's a little bit down the thing. Let's get to Romans 14 as part of this. Uh, Romans 14 is a, a big deal because it talks about days. You had Jew and Gentile coming into the church together. The Jews had their days. Gentiles had some of their days. They, you know, feast, different things that they did, and the eating of meats. There are all kinds of... Um, I don't know, just different things they were, cultural clashes they were bringing together. And Paul's point throughout the chapter is, you know what? Let the other guy have his relationship with God before God. God's going to judge him. You don't need to. Uh, don't force your opinion on somebody else. Don't force somebody else to do your thing. And so um, one person, Romans 14, 5, one person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind he who observes the day observes it for the Lord. He who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to the Lord. And he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to the Lord. Um, he's saying that everyone's doing it is, is what they think is pleasing to God. And that's okay. Kind of leave each other alone. So what does that do for us in this discussion? So the question we have to get to with this is, does Romans 14 authorize basically a whole church celebrating Christmas, or is this just something that people can kind of do in their, in the privacy of their home, right? As individuals, is it acceptable as individuals, but then not acceptable as, as the church? And so I'll give my answer before, as we always say, kicking it to, uh, somebody said we need to make a t-shirt out of that. I'm going to kick it to you because we, we say that quite a bit if you haven't noticed. Um, but my answer for that is that there seems to me a, a bit of irony behind the idea of, okay, we can celebrate it as individuals. You can, you know, have your Christmas tree up at home. You can do all that stuff by yourself. But when we come to the church building, obviously, first, let me make it clear. The church building where we, where we worship God, we're worshiping God, we should be worshiping him, and that should be the priority. We should not be there to, you know, basically to have Christmas be the priority. It needs to be worshiping God, right? Same thing. We don't condone the flag waving on the 4th of July on Sunday. No, we're there for Christ. We're there for God. However, I see some irony behind the idea that if we have, let's say we have a Christmas party at a church building, there are a lot of people that would say, well, you cannot have a Christmas tree up there. You cannot have Christmas music playing or whatever, because it's at the church building. You're there as a church, but yet those same people will go to somebody else's house with a Christmas tree there. You know what I mean? There, there seems to be some inconsistency there behind the idea that Okay, if the church is made up of individuals and you have individuals that are 100% okay with celebrating this holiday of Christmas, again, apart from the birth of Christ, again, the trees, the music, the ornaments, the gifts, whatever, all of a sudden does that go out the window when they come together for a fellowship meal? You know what I mean? And so that would be my opinion on it is that I, I don't see the difference really if the church is supposed to be made up of individuals and all the individual families are, are participating and we're just, are we just supposed to ignore that when we come together? What do you guys have to, to add to that line of thinking in between, as, as far as this goes with the whole church celebrating or just individuals celebrating? I, I think Romans 14 very much speaks to it's fine for the individual to celebrate. I have a tough time with the full church. If the entire church is one way and they're okay with it, I guess. Um, however, there may be some with weaker consciences that say, absolutely, we shouldn't be celebrating and we don't want to cause any stumbling block. So if you don't know that the entire church is behind it, I would be... And it also depends on... We'd have to get into what does it mean to celebrate it? Having a Christmas tree in the foyer? Um, you know, putting up uh, Christmas lights on the on the building type of thing? Like, yeah, probably not. <laughs> um, having a Christmas sermon? Now, uh, that's that, that gets a little more touchy, right? Should we or should we not even acknowledge it? I think it's okay to acknowledge... Let's answer that question. Go, go into it, yeah. Personally, I'm perfectly fine with it. 
Um, I think it's it's what a lot of people that show up to church expect, but I always would look to put a spin on it of like, first off, we do celebrate Jesus for the rest of the year, but it's not wrong to take time to focus on the the Son of God taking on flesh, you know, leaving the joys of heaven and really preaching that from Philippians 2 more than anything. Um, I think you can, that, that would be my take on it, but at the same time, I don't think anybody's sinful for doing that per se. Because everybody's mind is already drawn to it. Christmas happens to fall on a Sunday this year. You don't think all of us have already gotten up and opened our presents and are thinking about Christmas? You know, the 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 holiday Christmas on Sunday as we all get together. The acknowledgement of it seems to be secondary. Like, of course we're going to. Um, I'm going to say the, this, same- the other thing before you get on from that. I've seen a thing of a few, and I don't think any churches of Christ would do this. Again, to our credit, but church is going, well, you know what? It's Sunday, and that's a day for family, so we're just not going to meet on the 25th this year. That's horrible. Uh-uh. No. Sunday belongs to Jesus first. doesn't matter what day of the year it is. And so, yeah, and your that's spiritual no family again, comes first. Yeah, and again, credit to the churches of Christ to say, uh, again, I, I don't know of any that it would even consider doing that. But yeah, just wanted to put that in there. Right, so to, to wrap up my point real fast, though, is just I don't have a problem with it, but I've also been asked, you know, don't do that. And so I'm not going to. I I don't want to cause people to stumble. So from a church perspective, I I err on the side of the weaker brother, hey, we're not going to celebrate this. Um, But at the same time, for an individual too, if you come over to my house and I happen to have a nativity up or something, to me, it's, it's, and maybe this is where I'm wrong. Fellas, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't feel that's wrong because it's like, this is in my home. This is something I've chosen to. And if you come over and you know this is the case, that's something you are choosing to subject yourself to. If you really have a problem, we can discuss and study it. But what are your thoughts on that? Is that, Jack, we'll, we'll kick it to you here. Um, is that wrong to for me, to, knowing that maybe somebody in my church would stumble, per se, if they were to come into my home and I had a nativity scene up? What are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, I, I think the individual part is very clear of like, if your brother decides to celebrate it, Mind your own business. If your brother decides not to, mind your own business. The thing you're told not to do is make them celebrate it with you. And so saying, hey, guys, come on over. Uh, we're going to have a, a Devo together and making them sing all of the Christmas hymns together at the same time. Don't do that. You know. But, hey, saying this is something we have up in our house, whatever, that that's within your rights to do. I think the real question is the church one because this is about individuals. But I think there's also the matter of eldership, leadership. As you said, you've been asked... No, we don't want an Easter resurrection sermon. We don't want a Christmas birth sermon. I've had the opposite situation where I was at a... I've had both situations. I've had a congregation where they said, we don't do that. And so, you know, I just didn't do it. I've had another one where I was specifically asked by the leadership of the church, on Easter, we want to hear about the resurrection. On Christmas, we want to hear about the birth. That was a decision that was made among the men of the church uh, that was presented and so I did and it just wasn't an issue it was uh again something they wanted to have and I I think as the church leadership they have the right to set that decision this is not individual against individual when it is the leadership making the decision and so on the other hand with that you know I said okay if that's if that's what's being requested sure I preached a resurrection sermon we had a visitor come in say you know what everyone was really friendly but I'm not coming back because you preached on the resurrection and that caused quite a dust up somebody said well we gotta we gotta you know apologize we gotta reverse course on this no this is our family here and if the leadership has decided it's going to be that way and somebody says i don't want to be a part of that that's their choice but you know this is that goes to the whole are you preaching to the visit the two or three visitors or are you preaching to the you know 150 members right right (laughs) true you know capitulating and and molding ourselves around what people want when they walk in the door and so it but again the leadership had decided this is what we as a family like to do and so i think church leadership does have that authority um and and again as the preacher unless your convictions are strong in one direction or the other um which again this is very much in the matter of opinion is it authorized no but we do other things that aren't authorized again some churches say Christmas is not authorized. We're going to have a winter party. Well, that's not really authorized either. You know, like you get into <laughs> what is and what isn't. And and there's degrees of this. There's the church that on December 11th is going to have joy to the world in the worship program. You've got the other one that started a sermon series last Sunday and will have it through the end of the year about the birth of Jesus and Mary and Joseph and everything happening. You've got the other one that's going to have Christmas trees across the stage. You've got the other one that's going to have a live nativity scene or in a, in a play and all that. There, 
and there's degrees along all of that where it's like, man, I get a little more and more uncomfortable the farther this goes. But on the other hand, that's my personal discomfort. There's things that I would say, yeah, probably don't do that if I were in leadership, which I'm not. No, not that one. But we, we talk a lot about church autonomy, but we don't really believe it. Because if we say, well, churches are autonomous and no creed but Christ, it, and a church is not allowed to make their own decision on something like this, which is not even really a secondary matter, but really a tertiary matter. Uh, right. if, if there's no room for disagreement on that, if one church can't say, you know what, we're just going to keep preaching our series through Galatians, and that's what we're on, and that's what we're going to do. If they can't say that, and the other one can't say, you know what, I'm going to read Luke 2 this Sunday, and, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, or the song leader is going to lead us in joy to the world and heart, which, side point real quick, Sing those songs throughout the year. They're Joy great the songs. World and Heart, the Herald Angels Sing are probably two of the most theologically rich vers- uh, uh, songs in the entire book. Sing those songs. Uh, as Joe said, God taking on flesh was a pretty big deal. It was announced by angels. That tells us a little bit about how important it was. Um, and so that's okay. Um, but yeah, the, the broader point I'm getting at is... I think there's room for church leaders to make decisions on what we as a church family are going to do um, and and not force, you know, conscience on, on everybody. You know, it, it gets dicey. Uh, so let's get into some of... Real quick on that. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll we get, get pros and cons. Yeah, because yeah, I agree with everything you said, obviously, the, the church leadership. And at the end of the day, if, if, you're, perp- if you're doing something that you know is going to make a third of the congregation uncomfortable or, or stumble in some way, it's in your best interest to not do it. I've, I've always seen it just as my opinion. as it, it's Either way is acceptable, but to me, there, there's somewhat, I don't want to say irresponsible, but if you've got your entire congregation, again, Joe, as you said, Christmas on a Sunday this year, and that's what is on everybody's mind. They've been with their family. You know, that's, that's what's going on. And you turn your and you say, all right, now let's open our Bibles to Ezekiel. I, I don't know. It just seems like there's a bit right. of a, I don't, I don't want to call it irresponsible. But again, like, let's take when the Sunday after 9-11 or something like that, or when that's what kind of the world is thinking about, you know, are you really going to, again, have them turn to Ezekiel? It's not that that part portion of the Bible is not important or anything like that, but it's just like that's what everybody's mind is on. But we're going to purposely avoid it again. I don't know. There's a lot to go into there. Well, but that, as Jack said, well, before we get to that, I mean, you're you're exactly right on something. It it sends the message of the church building is sealed. It it, it has yeah. a lid on it, and what happens in here doesn't affect what happens out in the world. What happens in the world doesn't have, translate to here. That it, it keeps the it keeps our religion locked in the church building, and it doesn't have any real world import. As I opposed don't think to that's making a good it apply. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, so we've already touched on some of these. Let's talk about kind of the, we've already kind of hit on the value to abstaining from celebrating it publicly or having the Christmas day sermon. You've got the, the concept of you're showing consistency, uh, in your, in your hermeneutical approach. And you're also not, not violating anybody's conscience, which is a, a really big deal. Fellas get into the downside of, and I've, I guess I kind of already touched on one point here, but, um, the downside of, of kind of avoiding on purpose the the mindset of the resurrection on Easter or the mindset of, of, of Christmas on Christmas Day. What are some of the down... We, we've, we've hit the pro side. What are some of the downsides? You have to be very careful not to be pedantic, uh, not be, you know, the actually guy of... You know, and Jesus criticized the Pharisees for straining gnats and swallowing camels. Like, you're so focused on the little things that the big things are getting by you. And so, man, if, if you show up and you just hammer into people's head, there weren't three wise men, and, and it wasn't on December 25th, and it wasn't that, and, and the world's got this wrong, and Jesus isn't the reason for this season. He's the reason for every season, and, you know, we're not supposed to celebrate the resurrection just one day a year. Like, yeah, okay, okay, we got that. But God came to this earth, and Jesus did walk out of the grave. Like, that, that's the really important thing, and also the love of God and the gospel and salvation and, and all the really big things. And if if the sermon is just, or if our approach to it is just kind of hammering the, uh-uh, uh-uh, not that, not that, it's important to correct details. It's important, as you said earlier, to kind of let people know, no, it's not actually December 25th, and um, this is not a, a commanded thing, but it's... Uh, uh, time we've set aside to do this in the same sense. And you guys have kind of made the same point. I've, man, almost every church I know the night before Thanksgiving had a Thanksgiving service. 
uh, prayers, devos, whatever else. That's not authorized. And then you can get into the same kind of arguments. Well, we're supposed to be thankful all year, aren't we? Well, yeah. Does that mean we're not thankful the rest of the year if we specifically have one thankfulness right. day? No. And, and so, uh, you know, it's not authorized and it's not over. It's it's one specific emphasis. And, you know, I, we're okay with it there. I think it's it's okay here as well. Um, and, and I think when you get into that, nope, we're not allowed to do it. We're not going to pretend. We're, we're just going to pretend it's not happening it might be getting into straining that swallowing camels territory and and a term that i didn't come up with but i think is a very useful one especially that we've seen over the last couple of years is the tyranny of the weaker brother romans Mm -hmm. 14 talks about the weaker and when i use that people get really insulted that sometimes they're the weaker brother sometimes i'm the weaker brother sometimes we all take turns as the weaker or stronger depending on the issue and that's a matter of liberty of conscience conscience of if you think you can and there's no command that you can't that's the stronger. That's the one that, you know, has a little bit more freedom of conscience. The person whose conscience binds them is, by definition, the weaker brother. And so the person who says, I can't, you know, I, I'm, I'm against it, I don't want to do it, and that guy that comes in and says, I'm not coming back unless you apologize for preaching on the resurrection. That's the tyranny of the weaker brother. You will let him run the church on every single decision because it has to be his way or the highway. That's not what Romans 14 is, is enabling, Right, so we are overvaluing, and that sounds horrible, but we're like you said, I think enabling is the right term. He has no reason to grow in his conscience. He has no reason to become the stronger brother because as long as he's the weaker brother, he gets he his way. He continues set. to get his way. Right, he gets yeah. his way. And so I'll be offended, and we see this in the culture. If I'm more offended, I win. Like, no, you don't. That doesn't make you right, but that's, I think, so easy to get into in the church, and we put the biblical principle like, yeah, we, we definitely don't want to make the, the weaker brother stumble. No doubt. But are we enabling the tyranny of, of the weaker brother? And in this situation, I think it's very easy. Look, if, if half of your church is struggling with it, clearly that's a problem. Um, but to have one person who says, nope, or actually, or whatever else, I think it's worthy of study. We're certainly not looking to offend him either. But that's a tough one for me because it's like, okay, is, is the same guy? And it may be. Let me just say this. He may have one hobby horse. He really struggles with with Christmas, but he's pretty good on everything else. Okay, you know, I, I think that shows his conscience is, he just can't get past this one. That's different than I'm offended here, I'm offended there, I'm offended there, I'm offended there. And the guy who is perpetually offended, perpetually the weaker brother, I think there is a difference there. So you have to know each person in your congregation to know, okay, is this guy just doing this so he can kind of control the narrative and control the, the way of the church? Or is he genuinely struggling? And I know that's a hard issue, and people are going to think we're jerks for even suggesting it. Well, of course, he's the weaker brother. But man, it's so easy to get offended at the smallest things and just to stay in an offended state all the time. Well, this applies to issues even beyond Christmas, right? Right. The things that people choose to get offended over, they're going to stand their ground on that it might end up dividing the church or might end up being a huge deal within the church that if you really boil it down, it's a stronger brother, weaker brother thing. And so... That's why this, of course, applies to Christmas, can apply to other things. Let's get into, we talked well, about kind of the I just value. want to highlight, yeah, we, we talked right. a lot about the weaker brother. The tyranny of the weaker brother is the key to that term, is they end up ruling the church. They overstep the elders, they overstep everybody else in the church, and it's basically my way or the highway. This church is going to run exactly the way I want to, and it becomes a tyranny. And we talked a little bit about elders and church leadership leadership decisions. One of the things throughout the Bible is... When God has set an authority in place, you don't have to agree with them to submit to them. Right. If the wife had to submit to her husband only when she agreed to it with him, that's not going to be very conducive you know, to the relationship God set up. We don't submit to the government just when we agree with the laws they make. Parents don't submit to their parents just when they agree with it. And and so if, if your elders have decided this is how it's going to be and you say, well, I'm not submitting to that because I don't agree with it, you're trying to run the church. That's the tyranny of the weaker brother. And, and so that's a really big issue that I, I think is, in my book, the way the New Testament writes out these issues is a way bigger issue than, yeah. you know, you're whether su- the, the decision that's made on this. You're subverting the God-given authority and hierarchy that he put in place. Even and, if you think they're wrong, that's the point. It's elders who rule well. We're, we're very wary of that word. We don't like the term rule. That's what it is. Elders who rule well are worthy of double honor. So there is an authority, a, a certain leadership authority here 
to say one way or the other. And yeah, we are called to submit whether we agree. I but think we that's treat a it point. so much like a like a democracy. Not to get into all this, but we treat it so much like a democracy of well, you know, we can vote you out. You know, we're actually yeah. the ones running. No, you're not. That's well, that's and then that's the loudest not the way God wins. set it up. And, right, and it goes the other direction. The if somebody's yeah. throwing a fit of, well, I sure wish we would have heard about baby Jesus this week, and the elders have decided not to, shut your mouth. <laughs> Honestly, shut right, your right, mouth. Right, uh, right. Th- like, submit. It's your job. Uh, I'm going to take my ball and go home because they preached on Jesus' birth or they didn't preach on Jesus' birth. Uh, that is You've a got really a heart big problem. problem. Yeah, that is right. a way bigger violation of New Testament principles than whether or not somebody mentioned the the this the manger okay so you were you were getting us to the other side so that's the pros and cons of abstaining and there are pros and cons there's pros and cons to acknowledging uh christmas as a religious holiday the one we've danced around a bunch let's just finally get to it uh is the evangelistic opportunity that people are thinking about it um saw charlie brown christmas the other day and it's it's a little weird to me again as a as a christian who grew up in a house and and in an environment that was this is not religious it's not religious at all let's avoid the religious things we decry all year long all of the the smut the garbage that's on television and movies and the radio and all that and here you have a month of the year where linus is up there quoting the book of luke right on national television to millions of people and we go no we cannot have that. We have, um, you know, the radio stations, the pop radio stations that are playing Cardi B through the rest of the year and all kinds of profanity and filth are playing Silent Night. Like, okay, that's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, the same thing with Easter weekend. The Ten Commandments, you know, comes on or the Passion of the Christ or whatever. And yeah, there's a lot of issues with those movies as depictions. But again, it is an evangelistic opportunity in that people are thinking about and talking about, and this is out at the forefront. People who don't give Jesus the time of day, 11 months of the year, all of a sudden are okay with it. Right. It's whenever you are trying to evangelize and trying to, you know, convert people and, and get them to do Bible studies with you and get them to take the, the next step in obeying the gospel, what's what's usually the hardest part, or the, the first step? getting them interested in it in the first place, right. getting them thinking about something, uh, that being something that they need, we get the first step taken care of in the month of December for the most part, right? You know, the stat that we've got 57% of people who don't regularly go to church are either very likely or somewhat likely to attend if invited around Christmas. So again, that first step of kind of being interested in, or at least thinking about Christ and being, and thinking about going to church is already kind of taken care of for us. And the first thing we do is shut it down and say, nope, can't have any of that. We have to, you know, make sure that we are, you know, do our actually thing again, where we push our glasses up and well, Christ wasn't born on Christmas again, which he was not, as we already acknowledged. But I think so often we kind of burn our evangelistic bridge to start uh, when this Christmas time rolls around because we do so much legwork to try to debunk all the, the myths surrounding it that we've got hundreds of millions of people that are thinking about Jesus and a lot of congregations choose to kind of push it by the wayside. Well, what a quick point. This is one of those things we talked earlier about the Christmas and Easter only people. If you're a baptized Christian who misses eight straight weeks, but Christmas or Easter, boy, you're sure going to be there. That's a problem. You need to be called out for that. The kind of person who will only go to church, the outsider who really doesn't know much about the church at all is not a Christian who will show up on Christmas. We don't need to be blasting them and saying, oh, only go to church on Christmas. Like, hey, you're here. Let's Let's talk. You know, here's our opportunity, not, oh, you couldn't be bothered the other... Yeah, no, they couldn't. But this this one cultural opportunity drove them to right. that. And so, yeah, there there is an opportunity there. From a marketing perspective, um, you know, and, and, and I know the church is not a business, but um, from a marketing perspective, we'd be fools not to use this, right? Like, in, in any business, if you have the people talking about a certain thing and you ignore it, You've lost so much business. And and once again, I know we're not a business, but like that just goes against everything that we know in the culture that everybody's thinking about it. And it is an event worth acknowledging. Whether we want whether the date on it is right or not, it is an event worth acknowledging. And it's and like you said, well, it's a great way to start. Okay, you're interested in baby Jesus, right? You're coming to, to celebrate the birth of Christ. Hey, let me tell let's you about talk about his death and resurrection. Yeah, let, exactly. Yeah. Let's talk about the rest of his life. Let's talk about the death and resurrection. Let's talk about the parts that well, but why that he starts. Was here, what those prophecies, yes. you know, in Isaiah and all that are telling us, and why Israel was so looking forward to and waiting and counting down and and just looking everywhere for when is he going to get here because the arrival was such a big deal. But look at the excitement surrounding the arrival. Yes, with the you know, of course, with um, the angels, but 
all of the even with John the Baptist with his birth there's excitement surrounding it it's like wow God hasn't talked to people in 400 years you know and all of a sudden this these things are starting to take place so it was a huge deal there the dedication of the temple there's a lot surrounding the birth that I think is what an opportunity to get people interested in the son of God for the first time all year and the other thing is, even apart from Jesus, think about what so many people associate the holiday of Christmas with as far as characteristics and qualities, right? Giving to other people, serving. It's the time of when you're, you know, again, actively looking to give things to other people. Why are we not taking advantage of that? You know, again, if people are already inclined not just to think about Jesus, but to to lean more in a moral direction than maybe they would other months of the year, those are the times that we need to seize that opportunity for that evangelistic outreach and say, your mind is on Christ, your mind is on giving and, and maybe serving others more. Man, let's 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 take that, let's take advantage of that opportunity while we can. However, there are downsides to it. And this is the of course the other side to there's all these pros, there's all these really, you know, kind of good opportunities. The downside to it is, I'll and I'll just bring up one of them, let you guys kind of take some of the other ones, is you get the the guest or the person who's not really a churchgoer who tends to kind of mentally associate Christ or being a Christian only with Christmas, right? Only with jingle bells and only with Santa and, and reindeer. And that's kind of their mental association with it. We have to make sure that we do a good enough job of what you do, what you guys just said. Let's talk about the rest of his life. Let's talk about the entire Bible. But the problem is sometimes, again, you can have these outsiders that, you know, they come in Christmas day, they hear the the Christmas sermon or whatever, that's what they associate Christianity with. That's what they associate Jesus with is one month out of the year. Okay, we'll give a little bit more. We'll serve more this month of the year. But the rest of the 11 months, I can kind of do whatever I want because that's sometimes the, again, the way that it's presented. So we have to avoid that. That is one major downside to to kind of acknowledging Christmas as a holiday from the pulpit. Uh, what are some other ones that you guys have to add? Yeah, uh, just making sure people don't, get the wrong idea about December 25th or whatever else. And, um, you know, getting stuck on those, as you said, you know, resurrection, it, it's not just one day a year. And, uh, even the, the churches, as I mentioned before that say, well, we're not going to celebrate the resurrection on Easter because we do it every Sunday. Make sure that's true. Make sure it is because the resurrection should be celebrated every Sunday. But, um, you know, there is the issue of alienating those who don't celebrate of the weaker brother who, says, I, I really can't do this. I'm, I, I don't think it's okay. Um, that's an issue. That's something that needs to be worked through with care. Again, that's why we have elders. That's why we need to, uh, they need to navigate these situations in their own congregations. And, and so that, that can be an issue that you're going to have to deal with if you choose to celebrate or, or, you know, whatever the case may be. Joe? On the misteaching side, I think, if you really push the December 25th date fully knowing that's not it, I think that is that that can be a real problem because if you're initially introducing people on a lie, well, they're going to start questioning a lot of other things as well down the line of like, oh, so did, did Genesis really happen or, or are we just taking that one as, you know, face value too? Like, no, there's a reason. So we want to make sure that we are correct on the teaching. All we're saying is don't, don't fudge on the facts. Don't say that it doesn't matter but this time of year does matter. So I think there's that. And I am going to go off for a second on the church doesn't have a great understanding of Jesus a lot of the time either. We can get tied up on the world looking at baby Jesus and he's just kind of harmless and, and oh, cute and cuddly. And like you said, we'll kind of wrap your arms around that version of Jesus. And we can judge the world for that and be like, yeah, but there's so much more to Jesus. Can I just say the same thing to the church? We look at Jesus as kind of the well, and we've talked about this before. I don't want to. I don't want to beat a dead horse. He's and our talk friend, about it. Right. but yeah, Jesus <laughs> is our friend, and Jesus is so, you know, he's just he's so loving. Yes, he is. He is our friend. He's our brother. We see in Hebrews, he's all of these great, warm, and fuzzy things, and he's also our Lord and Savior and Master, and and he is going to be coming with his flaming sword on a white horse. Like it's terrifying terminology, and I love the way that C.S. Lewis talks about Aslan in in the books. He's dangerous. He's kind, but he's dangerous, right? Like, that's that's the Jesus we serve. It's not some weak little, yes, he's the lamb, he's also the lion. Don't misconstrue that, and if we're going to preach who Jesus is, the world wants to look at the baby Jesus, we want to look at, and I hate to call it this, but kind of the wimp Jesus, right? Jesus is not wimpy in the least. 
he is a man's man. He is he is masculine. He is terrifying. And, and as our Lord and Savior, we respect him. We we have reverence and awe. There's so much more to Jesus than just the kind teachings of, oh, what a nice guy. Yeah, Jesus was very kind. But don't think that, that Jesus was nothing but a nice guy and that's the way you're going to win the world is by basically making the adult Jesus the baby version of Jesus. He's so nice. He's harmless. He's not harmless. He will be sending the majority of people to hell. Okay, uh, like let's just acknowledge that. And not because he, he wants everybody to perish. We clearly know that's not the case, Second Peter 3, 9. But please make sure when you're teaching Jesus, we don't have to pull out the, hey, you're all going to hell and start with that line. But make sure that we are, are teaching the entirety of, man, this, this is our Lord and our master. And what he says goes, he and he is a man's man. That's right. right. And he takes the whip, and he's driving people out. Woe to the Pharisees. Like, you talk about a guy who stood up for these things. And so just make sure that you don't feminize Jesus and that you don't make him the adult version of baby Jesus when you are starting to talk about these things. Um, use this well, as an op- open door, but go from there. Jesus never fits our boxes of him. Of There's nothing more peaceful than a sleeping baby. But that sleeping baby represents a king who just landed his warship on the shore and is stepping off to take over. I mean, like, that's what's happening there in the manger. It's such a weird uh, how God does things, and it's amazing. It's it's the beauty of the story of, you know, he's here to crush the serpent's head all the way back to Rome, uh, Genesis 3, which, again, everyone likes sharing that picture on Facebook of Mary comforting Eve. Stop it. Mary didn't step on the serpent's head, okay? But I'm just, that's a whole other uh, rabbit trail. But of a baby coming to earth as the conquering king in a manger, nothing glorious, nothing fancy. You know, there's just so much to the story, and I think it's important that we get it right, whether you preach it in December or any other time. But I do want to, I you mentioned a, an interesting point, because we would be remiss if we did not mention Mary this time of year. Mary, did you know? Um, right, Mary is a key figure, of course, as baby Jesus. Um, yes, that's that's largely Catholic, a, Catholic, uh, a, a huge Catholicism, emphasis with Mary. However, fellas, what do we do with that? How do we, Jack, to your point, there's the, you know, kind of Mary stepping on the serpent, like that's absolutely false. We know it's Christ. Where does Mary fall into this? Do we celebrate and celebrate Mary? I'm I'm of the opinion, obviously not. I think you guys are as well, but kind of how do we, how should we interact with that part of it? Well, I've heard of people who would say we shouldn't listen to Mary, did you know, or that, that, that that is something that we shouldn't focus on. And so I'll just speak to that song for just a second. Obviously, I don't think we should be celebrating Mary in any way. Um, But you think about that song. What does that song acknowledge? It acknowledges the power of Jesus. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water, right? Was Lord of all creation. That song is about Jesus. But it's, it's taking it and looking at it from the perspective of the person who raised him, of the one who gave birth to him, of the one who rocked him to sleep, of the one who who nursed him, of the one who fed him. And so... Again, we're not supposed to celebrate it, but for me, that song has always been a unique opportunity to to remind myself he was human. He was somebody who had to be rocked to sleep. He was somebody who, you know, Jackson yesterday actually took probably 20 steps across the room by himself, you know, not holding on to anything. It's just really cool. Like that's the nice. longest he's nice. ever walked. And I'm getting to watch Jackson you know, go from rolling over to crawling around the house to now he's going to be walking around the house here soon. Mary experienced all of that with Jesus as well when he was that young, the crawling to walking to doing all these things. And so to see that from the perspective of somebody who, again, watched all those things kind of adds a, a, a different light to it, a different perspective to it. So as far as, and, and that may just be one piece of the puzzle as far as that one song goes. Um, but other than that, I, I don't see a huge issue with listening to that or, or anything like that. But celebrating her, of course, not a big fan of that. Yeah, Mary, and I mean, Joseph is part of this, John the Baptist is part of this, uh, you know, there, there's quite a few that are, and, and they should not be worshipped, but they should very much be admired. How important she was, I mean, uh, you can do a study, there's very strong parallels between uh, Jesus, you know, coming to Elizabeth and all that, of, of the travel of the Ark of the Covenant when David was bringing it towards Jerusalem. They're like, there's very intentional things in the text of, of kind of like that. And so she was a pivotal piece in God's plan in the same on, sense that Abraham was, in the same sense that Moses was, in the same sense that David was. And we make a big deal out of them without worshiping them. And I think that's okay. You got to break that down for a second. Hold on. Go back. Mary with, with the Ark of the Covenant, you just dropped this and like, I'm supposed to somehow know what you're talking about? 
okay, I got to pull it up because it's off the top of my head. Of uh, man, yeah, putting you on the spot here. Yeah, putting um, you on the spot. Uh, yeah, there's. And this so he, is I know this. Uh, this is something you have to be careful with because the Catholics love this, but it is in the text. Okay, it doesn't go as far as they want to take it, um, but it does. Uh, it, it's in there. Uh, okay, let me see if I can find it. Um, uh, okay, yeah, that's it. Second Samuel six nine. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, "How can the ark of the Lord come to me?" Luke one forty three. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Second uh, Samuel six fifteen. So David and all the house of the Israel uh, brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting, with the sound of the horn. Luke one forty two. She exclaimed with a loud cry, "Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb." And David, Second uh, Samuel six fourteen. David danced before the Lord with all his might. Luke one forty four. When the voice of your greeting came to my ears, the babe in my womb leaped for joy. Um, 2 Samuel 6, 10, 11, David was not willing to take of the ark of the Lord into the city of David, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, and it remained in the house of Obed-Edom three months. Mary arose, went with haste into the hill country to a city of Judah, very similar place. Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Uh, again, intentional parallels in the text. Um, that was worth finding, so appreciate it. That's yeah. fascinating. Wow. Not saying she's the ark of the covenant. Again, the Catholics hammer that because they want to worship Mary. She's not, in the same sense, we don't worship the Ark of the Covenant, but boy, was it important. Uh, boy, was it a big part in, in what God was doing. And so I would just say that. Yeah, there, there's an importance there that we would be remiss well, to downplay God, or, or, or pass over. God resting on top of the Ark of the Covenant versus God resting inside her. Once again, like that's that's kind of the parallel there, I think. And, and yeah, we're not worshiping the Ark of the Covenant. We're worshiping what rests on top of the Ark of the Covenant. We're not worshiping Mary. We're worshiping what what yeah, the, rested the Ark inside of the Covenant is a vessel that is helping us. You know, was Correct. helping them connect with God in the same sense. Mary was a vessel bringing God to us, not worthy of worship, but a really big deal, a uh, really important thing. And so, uh, yeah, thanks for making me go down that really rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> <side track. laughs> yeah, exactly. Side track. I'm it I'm is. here for those sidetracks. Okay, before we wrap up, fellas, anything else that you want before I get down one more right sidetrack? Because we would also be remiss if we didn't mention the Christmas movies. Anything else before we we get into <laughs> real quick? Will yeah, yeah Will's got to go here in like two minutes, and so just no to sum idea up really quickly, how, how Joe's going to end this? Go ahead. Joe. Romans fourteen. Uh, it is a matter of individual opinion. The other thing, submit to your elders. Elders make this decision for your congregation, and if if they think, you know what, this wouldn't bless our congregation. It's not what God wants us to do. That's the decision. If they think, you know what, we can talk about Jesus, we're going to do this. That's what they want to do. Um, as I said, there's a lot of it I'm real uncomfortable with that I would say don't, but I'm not there. The line between opinion and fact is is a tough one. Well, which is why this is my kind of closing comments here. Don't don't let your opinion on this divide the church. We we've had numerous um, topics like this that could very easily and and again stuff like this has divided many congregations. Man, if you're somebody who you are all gung ho about Christmas and celebrating and think that we should have a Christmas tree in the foyer and and sing Silent Night and all these things, and you know a lot of other people disagree with you. Man, don't don't let that divide the church again. If you're the other way around and you think we shouldn't be in Christmas parades and we shouldn't be, you know, talking about Jesus anywhere near the month of December, don't don't let your opinion on that be something that that causes strife, that adds division among the church. Because again, we see that all the time, and you know, it's great that you're passionate about it. It's great that it's something you believe in. But from our from where we're standing, from where from what we can see, from what God's word teaches, it's not something that is a disfellowshipable offends and it's certainly not something that that is ne- that you need to be sowing discord among the brethren about and so that would be the only thing that i would would wrap up with is again very emotionally charged but make sure we're not dividing the church over this stuff matthew 7 2 by your standard of measure it will be measured to you if you think someone is worthy of disfellowship for getting this wrong you better not have anything wrong be very careful with that joe be willing to study yeah be willing to study um this with somebody else you know if you got strong opinions and, and you're disagreeing with somebody, be willing to study. Keep an open heart and open mind and realize that you won't always win everybody over. This is a matter of conscience. Celebrate it in your home. If you're, you know, just the church has to put put a nativity scene up in your home if that's something that you want to, that's something you want to do. But yeah, I, I strongly agree with not, um, you know, dividing the church. Last thing, fellas, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Can we all in unison say? <laughs> I have one of my, my big... My, one of my crazy out-of-left-field blog posts that I haven't done in a long time, I'm going to do on why Die Hard is not a Christmas movie and why it shows we're all gullible and vulnerable to the Internet's influence. Nice, nice. I agree. I have, well, I have never seen it, so I cannot cast my vote here. 
there's a lot of movies that I have not seen. So last question. Try to come down on this one. Last question. Can we all agree It's a Wonderful Life is probably the best? I'm a big fan of Jingle All the Way. For I probably prefer to watch that because it's not six hours long. Not, you know, I, I realize what. So I, I got real quick. I think It's a Wonderful Life has so many nostalgic ties that people want to anoint it the greatest of all time, kind of like they do with Michael Jordan when he's clearly not the greatest of all time. Um, <laughs> I take all the hot. <laughs> it's a Wonderful Life is a great movie. It's got too many slow parts. It's not the best. I'm sorry. I'm, mm. I'm, a, I'm a Home Alone guy. Mm. I think the Home Alone movies are fantastic. But uh, it's Mr. a Wonderful Potter. Life. <laughs> But you uh, cry through the entire movie. I'm telling you, especially from a dad's perspective now. I back, they had it on last it. night. Oof. They had it on last night, and it's like... It's a little overrated. It's a little overrated. It's a great movie, but, but yeah, I'm with Jack. If it was an hour shorter, it would be the best. I'll say All that. Right. There's some lulls. All right. Get on board with that. We'll wrap it up. <laughs> Everybody, our, our um, deep thinkers, let us know in the comments. Let us know where you fall. Uh, no, hey... Definitely don't beat each other up in the comments, please. That would go against this, the whole point of this podcast. Um, it's okay to, to voice your opinion. Let us know. Do you celebrate? Do you not celebrate? That's okay. Um, keep it civil. If somebody does or does not, matter of conscience, remember that. Let us know your favorite Christmas movies uh, if, if you want to. We would and, and if there's some obscure Christmas movie that nobody knows that you think is great, post it. Maybe we'll watch it and, and let you know. Then we'll roast it on the podcast. And No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> Have you all ever anyway. heard of Elf? That's kind of like a smaller scale Christmas movie, right? No, y'all are Don't big get fans. Me started. <laughs> yeah. The oh man. Tee us <laughs> off with with, <laughs> with two seconds left. Yeah. No. Um. Not a big fan. Will Ferrell in general, but uh, he just came out with this. Sp- yeah. I won't get into. Anyway. Um. All right. Well, we're gonna wrap it up here, fellas. Any last comments before we wrap up? All right. We will talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening.